All right, we are ready to begin. We are ready to begin. If you'd like to come in and find a seat, we are ready to start. Welcome, come back in again. My name is Alan Dice, I'm one of the pastors here. We are so glad you're here this morning. Many of you know that we've been going through a uh, teaching series uh, focused on the 12 values that we hold as the, as the Dove International family. Many of you know we're part of a network of churches called Dove International. And if you look at the big uh, map on the uh, wall over there, you see where all the nations in the world where we have, where we have churches uh, representing uh, by the dots, and a big dot means 10 churches. Uh, so we've got churches sort of all over the world, and, and we're all held together by these 12 values, the, the things that we all agree together on as, as foundational beliefs. And I just want to review where, we, where we've been so far. Dove value number one, knowing God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ, and living by His Word is the foundation of life. Dove value number two, it is essential for every believer to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and be completely dependent on Him. Number three, the Great Commission will be completed through prayer, evangelism, discipleship, and church planning. Number four, we deeply value the sacred covenant of marriage and the importance of training our children to know Christ. Number five, we are committed to spiritual families, spiritual parenting, and intergenerational connections. Number six, this was last Sunday, Pastor Merle preached, uh, spiritual multiplication and reproduction must extend to every sphere of kingdom, life, and ministry. And today we're up to number seven, which is relationships are essential in building God's kingdom. I'm calling today's sermon, Who's Got Your Back? Uh, and if you're not familiar with that phrase, it's uh, the question of, can I turn my back on someone and believe that they will not betray me, but instead they will defend me, that I can trust them, they'll be loyal to me? Who's got your back? And our lesson begins, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 12. We'll have the scriptures on the, on the screen as well. But this is the story, one of the my favorite stories, favorite characters of the Bible, uh, the young man by the name of David who goes on to become Israel's one of Israel's greatest Kings, And if anyone ever had a colorful, eventful life, it was David. So if there are aspiring movie makers in the audience here this morning, I suggest that you consider making a movie of the life of David. And because we, we learn a lot about David through reading the scriptures. We learn that, that uh, as a boy... He was the youngest boy in a large family, lots of older brothers, and, and it seemed like the, the least important of the brothers got the responsibility of going out to care for the sheep. And, and as the job of shepherd handed to David, and, and it seems like as we read between the lines about David that he spent a lot of time out in the, out in the fields, out in the pastures, practicing with his slingshot, because David tells King Saul, later on in life, that he, when he was a boy shepherd, that when animals came to attack the sheep, a lion, a bear, David would say, I would go after that animal, not run away, but I would go after that animal, and I would grab it, and I would kill it. And it was the same David who stood up to the giant, Goliath, armed with just a slingshot, and killed him right there in front of thousands of people. 
And so later in life, David becomes Israel's leader and, like I said, their greatest king. But today's story from 1 Chronicles chapter 12 happens in David's life between the time of killing the giant and becoming king. So there's this gap of time in there where uh, Israel had another king by the name of Saul, King Saul, and he was jealous of David because David was really popular from killing uh, the giant Goliath, and, and King Saul was jealous. He was, he was insecure regarding David, and to the point that he insists that David has to be killed for no real reason other than he was jealous of David. And David becomes Israel's most wanted fugitive. He, he's being chased out through the wilderness, out through the mountains, caves, uh, for no reason other than Saul's jealousy. And, and other men begin to join up with, with David, and he, he forms this little band, this little ragtag army, hiding out in the hills and trying to outwit King Saul. And, and we come to 1 Chronicles chapter 12, where the scripture says, mighty men come to join David. And these are the men who came to David at Ziklag, while he could not move about freely because of Saul, the son of Kish. And they were among the mighty men who helped him in war. They were bowmen. Now listen to this. How many archery people do we have here? Any archery people? Like a few? Okay. All right, so they were bowmen, and they could shoot arrows and sling stones with either the right hand or the left hand. Anyone able to do that here? Right hand or left hand, they were Benjaminites. Now, we don't quite understand what that last phrase means, but, but uh, people who were reading or hearing this scripture back in Bible times realized that to be described as a Benjaminite meant you were a warrior. You were able to get her done in, in battle. And, and not only that, uh, there were also men from the tribes of Benjamin and Judah who joined David in his wilderness fortress. When David went out to meet them, this is what he said. If you have come in peace and to help me, you are most welcome to join this company. But if you have come to betray me to my enemies, innocent as I am, the God of our ancestors will see through you and bring judgment on you. In other words, do you have my back or did you come to stab me in the back? Can I trust you? was the question. And so the answer was, just then, Amasai, chief of the 30, this is the message translation, moved by God's spirit, says, we're on your side, David. We're committed, O son of Jesse. All is well. Yes, all is well with you, and all is well with whoever helps you. Yes, for your God has helped and does help you. So David took them on and assigned them a place under the chief's of the raiders. So we have the question, can I trust you? And we have the answer, yes, we're on your side, David, and we're with you. We have your back. And, and we see the extent to which these men had David's back in the next scripture. 30 of David's men were particularly strong, brave, young warriors. They became known as the 30 chief men. These were David's special forces, and their leaders were especially brave group of three. So how loyal, how dedicated, how committed were these guys? Second Samuel chapter 23 says, three of the 30 chief men went down 
and came about harvest time to David at the cave of Adullam, when a band of Philistines was encamped in the village of Rephaim. And David was in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then at Bethlehem. And David said longingly, Oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem that is by the gate. Did you ever just make a, a remark in passing and someone heard it? And they just went and acted on it. And I think that's what was happening here. David was just saying, oh, I am so thirsty. I really wish I had some water down. For, I remember how good that water in the well at Bethlehem is. And David just makes this remark and his mighty men hear the remark. And the Bible says the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and carried and brought it to David. Now, the Bible doesn't say much about that verse, but I can imagine if there are like hundreds or thousands of Philistines there, these three men are fighting their way, swords and spears and, and slingshots and everything that they have, they're fighting their way through the Philistine army to get to the well, to draw out some water, fight their way back, all the way back to carry it back to David. Wow, that's a lot of work for some water out of a well, isn't it? So what happens? The Bible says he would not drink of it. He poured it out before the Lord. It's like, wow, we went to all this work and you're just going to dump the water out on the ground? He poured it out before the Lord and said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of the men who went at the risk of their lives and he would not drink it? These things the three mighty men did. So we begin to learn some lessons from the story of David and his mighty men. First of all, being loyal and courageous in what God calls us to do, like David and his mighty men. Because loyalty, courage, isn't needed just for the easy stuff in life, is it? It's the hard stuff that takes courage in our lives. It's the things where people say, you can't do that. I can't do that. It'd be too hard. It would be impossible. It looked impossible to carry that water, to get it from the well in Bethlehem and, and carried all the way back. But three men broke through the whole army to do it. And so we see that David's men were completely united and loyal to each other and loyal to David. How is loyalty shown? How is loyalty shown among us this morning? Fellow soldiers guard each other's backs. Fellow soldiers help and carry each other. I'm one of those who, who loves, enjoys watching war, war movies. And, and one of those is, is the movie Black Hawk Down. Maybe some of you have seen it. The war movie where U.S. Special Forces are, are in uh, Mogadishu, Somalia. And U.S. Special Forces trying to capture an enemy warlord. And, and it starts out well, and it ends up as a, as a disaster. But a key phrase in the operation is, no one gets left behind. No one gets left behind. I don't care if you're dead. I don't care if you're wounded. I don't care what your situation is. We're not going to let our soldiers behind in, in the city of Mogadishu. We're going to carry you out. No one gets left behind. So we have the story of David, we have the examples of David's mighty men and their loyalty, but I want to point us this morning to the greatest example 
As I said earlier in the service, the greatest example of loyalty in your life is the story of Jesus and, and the story really of God himself. Because the, the scripture points to and explains the character of God as, as trustworthy, as faithful, as our loyal friend. And, and that Jesus is your, your loyal friend. He's with you in good times and hard times. God's with you when you deserve to be loved and he's with you when you don't deserve to be loved. He is truly faithful and he is trustworthy. We, we read the, the scripture of the Great Commission in Matthew 28, where Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. But I think often we miss the last sentence. It says, Behold, I am with you always. Jesus was telling his disciples, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Do you ever feel like you're alone, deserted, abandoned? God's not with me today. Remember this verse. Jesus says, behold, I am with you always. Always, always. He hasn't left us. He hasn't forsaken us. He is with us all the time. John 15. Jesus says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus chose to show his love for us by laying down his life. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends for all that I've heard from my father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. So Jesus isn't only God the Son. He isn't only our Lord and, and Master. He calls himself your, your friend. He is the friend who sticks with you. He's the friend who's closer than the brother, he, who never leaves you, who always has your has your back. So of all those stories of loyalty and courage, I believe the story of Jesus is the greatest example because he knew clearly the pain and suffering that was coming and he went ahead into it anyway. He knew the arrest and he knew the mocking. He knew that crown of thorns was coming. He knew the, the, all his friends would run away and desert him. He knew the lashing that, that could kill him all, all by itself. He knew about the nails that were going to be pounded through his hands and through his feet. He knew that he would hang out there in the hot sun, tortured and suffering and bleeding hour after hour. He knew, and, and yet he went anyway. And he is the greatest example of loyalty and courage because he did it not for himself. He did it for each one of us. For you, for me, he had that loyalty and courage to obey his father and give up his life. Don't let anyone say that Jesus was, was murdered, that his life was taken without his will. No, he laid down his life. He gave his life. He laid it down for each one of us. Hebrews 12, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, 
and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. I love what the message version uh, says about these verses. So it's the exact same verses, but in the message version now. It says, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished the race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish, in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Jesus sacrificed himself, laying down his life for each one of us, knowing that many of us would rebel and reject him. But a loyal friend sticks with you through thick and through thin. It's easy to stick with your friend when things are going well. It's easy to be loyal when things are going well. But it's hard to be loyal when things are going badly. A godly person sticks with his friend or her friend through good and bad, through ups and downs. Loyalty, godly loyalty says, I'm not going to gossip about that person. I'm not going to speak gossip about that person. I'm not going to listen to gossip about that person. I had an elementary school teacher. Her name was Mrs. Snodgrass. I remember, I remember certain things about certain teachers and, and the things that they taught us. And, and Mrs. Snodgrass taught us that if, before you open your mouth to say something, you ask yourself three things. Is it true? Is it kind? And is it necessary? So teachers, what you say has a great impact, and, and kids will remember it for many, many, many years. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Loyalty says, I'm not going to gossip about my friend. Loyalty says, I'm not going to take sides. Loyalty says, I will offer my time and my resources and, and sweat and prayer to stand with you. Godly loyalty says, I will cheer you on when you go and I will carry you when you are wounded. Godly loyalty says, I will always bless you and encourage you. And I'm not going to throw around my weight to try to get my own way. Godly loyalty says I'll be honest and kind and praying for the employees in my organization. Loyalty says I'm going to be honest and hardworking and I'm going to pray for my employer. So my challenge, one of my challenges this morning is that we would go and we would be loyal and godly friends to the people around us. But also talking about courage because sometimes loyalty takes a lot of courage in our lives. And I'm, I'm sure that some of you are facing situations that cause fear and require courage this week or this month or, or this year. I, I've heard this quote, and I love it, that, that bravery doesn't mean you aren't scared. It means you just go anyway. 
And I encourage you today to stand and, and face that mountain, face that giant, face that fear. The shepherd boy David faced his giant Goliath. And, and the Bible says he didn't just walk down into the valley to face Goliath, but he ran quickly to the battle line to meet Goliath. He ran. So what battle, what challenge do you face today? I told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. A, a challenge that I, I chose to face a few years ago was running my first half marathon, 13.1 miles. I'm not quite sure why I did it. I think it was one of those bucket list things where I said, this is something I feel like I've got to do before I die. <laughs> and uh, some of you have bucket list things like that. Uh, I'd run shorter races before, but never anything over five miles. And, and I got there that morning and, and looked around at all the young people who were there, strong young people who were getting ready to run. And, and there weren't many people my age. Uh, and, and there was, over on the left side, there was a row of ambulances. <laughs> Why do they need ambulances? <laughs> Why did I have to sign that waiver that, the, to register that I'm not holding the organizers accountable if I collapse or my heart stops or anything like that? You know, I could just keep the T-shirt and turn around and go home. My family wasn't there. No one would really ever know if I ran it or not. In spite of being a little bit nervous, a little bit afraid, I knew this was a challenge I wanted, I needed to face. Not just face, but finish, conquer, overcome, get to the finish line. And so, yeah, the, the race was long and sweaty, and people started to cramp up and throw up. And after five or six miles, your brain just sort of gets foggy, and, and you, all, all you're thinking about is, is your legs and your lungs and seeing 10 feet in front of you. <laughs> I noticed around mile five that there's this pack of runners in front of me, and, and I couldn't believe it, but there was this Amish lady running in the race ahead of me, running right along in long skirts. I, I didn't quite know what to think. Uh, I figured, you know, um, First of all, I realized that, that I shouldn't judge someone, <laughs> no matter who they are. But she was running the race. Who knew? There are Amish runners. And the most frustrating thing was, I couldn't catch her. <laughs> she was much faster than I was, <laughs> which I guess wasn't saying much. <laughs> but she was doing well, and she, she got to the finish line well before me. You know, and there were hills, and, and runners know that they... They need hills to, to build up endurance, more challenges to get better. Uh, it's sort of an illustration of life that as much as the challenges and the hills of life, we'd like to avoid them, but we run toward the hills because they build up our endurance and our, our strength. And, you know, all of life has, has hills, doesn't it? James 1 I'm sorry, I didn't put that down. James 1 uh, says, Consider it sheer, uh, sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenge, challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. So tests and challenges come, 
And, and the question is, how are, we going to, how are we going to face them? The best thing, the best thing was the finish line because people were cheering and people were urging you on and somehow you found new strength to hold up your head and run just a little bit faster. So God can use and God does use the hard times in our lives to, to deepen our faith and strengthen our spirits and, and help us mature and, and help us develop our lives. I call it, I call it daily courage because daily courage is, is living with a chronic illness. Daily courage is living with a handicap in you or, or in a family member. Daily courage is living, is, I'm sorry, daily courage is loving when no love is returned. Daily courage is working in a stressful job when you know God has called you there. Daily courage, the parents, the single parents, sacrificing for his or her children. Daily courage does not always roar. Sometimes it's a quiet voice at the end of the day saying, I'm going to try again tomorrow. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this church family. Lord, I pray for each one of us in the situations in which we find ourselves. Lord, for those who are facing mountains, hills, trials, those who are surrounded by friends who are loyal, some who are not loyal. Lord, I pray this morning in the name of Jesus that you would strengthen us, that you would strengthen our resolve. Lord, that we would always look back to Jesus to see how he was a loyal friend, a loyal person who, who suffered and laid down his life for each one of us. And Lord, Lord, that we would follow the example of Jesus so that we could be those loyal friends to those around us. Lord, I pray that, that you would fill us this morning with fresh new courage and faith and bravery so that we can run the race well that you've called us to run. So, Lord, so that we can finish and get to the finish line and hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. So, Lord, I pray this morning for each one of us that we would follow you wholeheartedly with all, all of our hearts, all of our strength, all of our mind, all of our spirit. Lord, that we would, we would choose to, to run the race that you've called to and run it well. Lord, this week, that we would run the race well that you've called us to. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? I'd like to invite our prayer ministers to come. We'd like to be here to, to pray with you this morning. In whatever mountains you are facing this week, and we'd like to agree with you. We'd like to pray for you. If you uh, have never uh, made a, a commitment or, or believed in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we'd like to invite you to come and, and have someone pray with you, and, and we can help you uh, know what that's about to become a, a believer of Jesus. So, Lord, we, we thank you this morning for this time. We thank you for the way you have uh, you continue to love us and, and bless us and stand with us as a true and, and faithful Savior, a true and faithful friend. Thank you, Lord, that, 
that you never leave us. Thank you, Lord, that you never forsake us. You are with us in the hard times. You are with us in the good times. So, Lord, we, we bless and commission this church family as we go from here, that we would, we would go to be as the, as the loyal friends, the brave warriors who are called by God to serve you in our workplaces, in our schools, in all the places we go this week. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Come forward for prayer. We'd love to pray with you this morning.